You know, when we started this Lent, we started by talking about the curses. We talked about all the curses that were handed down by God to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. And we talked about how Jesus took upon himself all of those curses when he went to the cross. But today is Easter Sunday. And so we don't talk about curses. We talk about blessings. We talk about those that were blessed. We talk about how we are blessed. But you know, we're talking about our text this morning. In the Gospel of Mark, the 16th chapter, we kind of have to at least talk a little bit about this blessing of confusion. But I don't know about you, but the every time I've ever been confused, I would not say that I was ever confused with joy. I've been confused without joy. I've been, I've been confused where I looked around and I saw everybody smile, and so I kind of smiled too. I've had those moments of confusion that ultimately whatever it was that was confusing me resolved itself, and I realized it was a very joyful thing. There were those moments whenever I would look around and see everybody smile, and so I would smile too, only to realize the joke was actually being played on me. I've had that happen. I learned you cannot trust teenage boys if they hand you a package of Oreos. Don't do it. I learned that lesson. And the problem is, is that whenever I bit into it and discovered that the middle was now toothpaste, I couldn't even get the boys in trouble. For this was years and years ago at at a previous parish, and it was the husband of the then DCE that brought the toothpaste. Who gets in trouble? Who gets in trouble? Obviously not the husband of the DCE who brought the toothpaste for the youth. No. So when we talk about confusion, we rarely tag it with joy. But yet this morning's text, we have this confusion. We have this, we have this, this, this afraid, alarm. But yet in there, we also have a bit of joy. You know, there's a lot we could say about this text. You know, if you open up your Bibles and you had your your Bible right in front of you, right after this passage, you would see this this big black line cut across. And it would say the rest of the text, starting at verse 9 and on, is not in the earlier manuscripts. And we could get into a big discussion. Should Should we read those other texts, those other verses, or should we not? How should we look at that? How should we read that? How should we investigate that? And to be honest, I'm not going to stand up here for 50 minutes and try to explain all the nuance and and, and all the various ways that we can look at it. But if you ever come to Bible class here, and maybe you have already and you've entered into this discussion, that is an appropriate place and a great place to enter into said discussion. But not necessarily right now. But even if you were to start at verse 9 and read the rest, you would see that it kind of begins a new section of text, which means verses 1 through 8 are their own section. They're their own piece. They're their own element. And there we have these ladies going to the tomb, finding it empty, and leaving in confusion, leaving in alarm, in in a sense almost even terror. 
I think one of the reasons that I really love this text is that it doesn't just end with a nice bow on top, but it ends sometimes where we find ourselves not quite knowing exactly what to think about so many things. In so many ways, this text meets us exactly where we're at in a state of confusion at times, but even that confusion with joy. But it can be hard to imagine. It can be hard to place ourselves in exactly where they were. I mean, just try to imagine it. Imagine this story if it took, if it took place right here, right now, today. Imagine you had a friend, a great friend, a good friend, and your friend said they were going to die, and then they were going to rise again. My guess is, is you would take what they were saying as some form of figurative language. You might think that they're speaking in parables or, or metaphorically, that somehow they were talking about all of this, but you wouldn't think that they were serious. And then imagine, if you will, that as you were with your friend, they did actually die. It would be horrible. It would be terrible. It would be a tragedy. You have the funeral. And then a few days later, you and a few of your friends decide that you're going to go and you're going to put some flowers on the tomb. And as you get there, even when you're a ways off, you notice that all the dirt has been removed. When you get closer, you look in at the casket and the casket's empty. And on top of that, there's angels there. Now, I know whenever I say angels, everybody thinks of the precious moments. Angels are all cute and fluffy. Find me a time in the Bible, just, just one time, where the people see an angel and they don't respond with fear, alarm, terror. Sometimes they think the angel is God himself. But usually there is a certain sense of intimidation. Angels can be very intimidating, very overwhelming if you don't see them coming, if you don't expect them. And so there's angels there saying, yes, your friend told you he was going to rise from the dead. And sure enough, look, the tomb is empty. Oh, by the way, he's going to run into you later in town. Now, you'd probably leave an alarm too. You probably wouldn't walk away either. You'd probably be running. And as you went away, probably dropping the flowers as you went, you might have terror, alarm, astonishment. But even in the midst of that confusion... My guess is, is you'd have a little bit of joy. A little bit of joy. What if it's true? What if my friend really has risen from the dead? What if I actually get to see him again? Now imagine putting yourself in the shoes of these women. But Jesus wasn't just a friend. He wasn't just somebody that we appreciated his companionship, but in fact was so much more than that. He was the Messiah, the anointed one, the very Son of God. He was so much more. And you're leaving the tomb, the empty tomb, because you had the news and heard the news that he has risen from the dead. What a wonderful thing. I don't know where you stand with all of these events. I don't know where you stand as we read the text and, and what you think and what you believe. But it does cause a lot of interesting questions to emerge, doesn't it? Where do you stand? Or, or maybe to put it another way, why are you here? 
Maybe you heard about our fantastic Easter breakfast, and you are just really looking forward for service to be over. You're kind of thinking to yourself, Pastor, you can hurry up now so we can get down there. Maybe, maybe a friend brought you, said, hey, come to church with us this morning. And maybe in the back of your mind you thought, you know, I've been to a few other churches, but I've never been to one with a Lutheran in the name, and I don't even know what that means. So I'll show up and see what that's all about. Or maybe you're here because this is just the service you go to. Maybe you don't go to a lot of the other services, but hey, Easter, you got to come to Easter. Or maybe you're here because it's habit. You've come every week. This is what you do on Sunday mornings, and Easter doesn't change anything. I personally firmly believe that the events that took place that are recorded in this text truly happened. That my Lord and my Savior rose from the dead that very first Easter morning and that it changed everything. I firmly believe that my Lord and my Savior, Jesus Christ, died upon the cross paying the price for my sins. And that when He rose from the dead that first Easter morning, it said a lot. It meant a lot. That my Lord and Savior lives, that He ascended into heaven. But even more than that, I firmly believe that my Lord and my Savior Jesus Christ didn't just die for me, that He also died for you. That this Easter celebration is an Easter celebration for you as well. That Jesus Christ rose from the dead. That our sins stand forgiven. That we have salvation in Him and through Him. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're here. If you're here just to eat our breakfast, I'm still glad you're here. And if you're here just because you only come once a year or twice a year, I'm glad you're here. I'm so happy you were able to join us this morning. I'm here, I'm glad that you are here to hear these good news words. These words that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ rose from the dead for you. And that you stand forgiven through Him. Because you know what? This text is right. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, amen. And now may the peace of